Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Steve Koble, my name is Brian Fromm. Thrilled to have you with us today on this Tuesday afternoon. And we are thrilled to be joined by an old friend of the show, but for the first time in 2023, she's senior writer at the Gospel Coalition, and her name is Sarah Zylstra. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, we love having you on. And uh, people who listened to yesterday's show might know that I referenced your most recent article over at the Gospel Coalition, simply entitled this, Why I Left Social Media and Won't Go Back. Uh, and also, that you had a coworker at the Gospel Coalition write a kind of a companion article, Why I'm Staying on Social Media. So you guys, I like how you did that. Kind of two articles Different viewpoints. Here's why we're going. Let's ask the obvious question. Uh, why are you leaving social media? What made you get to that decision? Yeah. So let's start even a little bit farther back. Why I got on social media. I got on a long time ago, um, like 15 years ago when, when Facebook first opened up to the world. And when I got on, I was a stay-at-home mom of mm -hmm. toddlers, and then I became a homeschooling mom, and it was a, just a wonderful way to, for me to connect. It's a pretty isolating thing to be home alone with kids, and so it was a wonderful way to connect with other people. Now, that was back in the day, and social media has changed tremendously, and probably so have I over the years. Um, as your kids get older, um, and those of you with little kids will find this out, it starts feeling weirder when you post about them or it's, it's um, like you're, you're, you should, you feel like you should be asking them for permission or like yeah. they kind of come into their own. It's a different thing. Um, and so I, I quit posting about my kids and then it felt started to feel kind of self-promotional as, as I write more for the gospel coalition and publish more, I thought I was just putting up stuff that I wrote and that kind of seemed like a weird thing to do to my mm -hmm. friends constantly put in front of them stuff I was doing. So I just started using social media less and less, but I never could get off um, because I thought, well, what if something happens? Even though I didn't mm -hmm. like going there, um, I didn't feel good when I got off. I felt like I was wasting my time or I felt jealous of somebody or I felt um, frustrated by somebody else's incompetence. <laughs> um, yes. So eventually uh, this past year in 2022, I did a podcast that was called Scrolling Alone. And it was about Gen Z girls and how they use social media. And I could see how tangled up they were in it and how much it took from them and how little it gave back. And that allowed me to finally see that it was doing the same thing to me. Mm. Um, and that was the kick that I needed. We uh, research shows, my own research, my own limited research shows, you, we almost all need a kick if we're going to actually leave social media. And that was my kick for me mm. to see, oh boy. Um, this isn't this isn't giving me what I think it is, and it's taking so much more than I realize. Sarah, I just I'm curious. You talked about how social media has changed since you first got on. In what ways do you think it is kind of changed and changed for the worse? Yeah. So when I first got on, um, it was kind of at the beginning of the news feed um, that came pretty early, but that's something that changed social media a lot. Instead of going to your friends' pages, Facebook was serving that up to you. And you'll probably notice if you ever look at your news feed, there's more and more advertisements in it, and it's more and more driven by an algorithm. Yeah. So way back in the day when I was just friends with, I don't know, 50 or 100 people or whoever were my actual friends, I would just literally see chronologically what they were putting up. But now I don't see what they're putting up. I would just be seeing what the algorithm is giving me. Like, maybe you want to look at this or here's an ad or here's 
Um, and art, uh, somebody else's post that's getting a lot of engagement keeps popping up over and over and over again. Um, and so it didn't feel like I was connecting with my friends. It felt more, Facebook felt more and more like there was a medium in between us that was mm. choosing what we were looking at. It, did, it just felt less personal. Yeah. Yeah. Have you missed it at all? What's been the result in your life? Are you, are you finding greater peace and less anxiety or are you like, Oh, I wish I was able to hop on Facebook or Instagram right now. <laughs> Good question. I want, that's one thing that I worried the most about before, because when you delete your accounts, you, you know, if you come back, you have to find all those people again. So it's, mm. kind of, it's like, Oh, this is going to be a lot of work if I decide I don't like it and have to come back on. That's one thing that kind of held me back. I have not missed it for one hot second. I've been <laughs> off now for since March. So how like eight months or nine months. Wow. March. So I have lived through the summer. I lived through my birthday. I lived through the holidays, all these different things where you think you're going to be touching base with people and you are, um, but I have not missed it at all. And the reason isn't that I'm not missing things because I am, I am missing when people put up their Christmas pictures. But what I have received back in terms of a greater attention span, much more energy, um, the disappearance of kind of that low level anxiety that I was, I didn't even realize I was feeling till it was gone. Mm -hmm. um, the ability to focus on my Bible more, the ability to read longer articles and books, the ability to be interested in my kids and my family, um, the ability to think longer and more complex thoughts, even about like how my household should run hmm. or, um, about, um, you know, something we're tackling at work or just the ability to engage in those things. I just feel like it has given me a boost or it's like when somebody, you know, you're driving along, but the brakes are on or something, you know, <laughs> and like all of a sudden you lift those off and you're like, Oh, I can go so much faster and easier when the brakes are off. Mm -hmm. Sarah, one of the things that I talk often with my wife about, and um, and it is really, it's it's hard to, it's hard to my wife. I, I'm like, she's beautiful. She's uh, 30, 30 years old. She's got my little guy. She's she bounced back from pregnancy, <laughs> um, like nobody's business. Um, you know, I've I've fluctuated more in weight than. than <laughs> But like just the, the spirit of comparison just seems to be like, and, and maybe I, I'm guessing that it's, it's for men as well, but for women, it seems like that, that spirit of comparison is just like nonstop with uh, whether it be somebody bouncing back from pregnancy or how somebody's life is going, who's doing what. Um, can you speak to that, the way social media creates the spirit of comparison? Absolutely. Um, and I would say that comparison uh, not only drags you down, it makes you feel lonely because mm. um, it's it's taking a friendship and turning it into something that's far more shallow and more competitive than if I was sitting in a room with your wife and we had a real life relationship, we'd see so much more of each other just as a holistic person. Mm. You can You can trace in the statistics the sharp increase in teen girls' persistent sadness and loneliness, loneliness, and it just traces right with the smartphone and social media. So it is just, there is data to, behind it that literally when you are on, when a woman is on social media and you're right, it affects girls. You can see in the data as well, the boys are going up a little, but the girl increase is just sharp and straight up. 
Um, like 60% of teen girls persistently feel sad and lonely. And mm. these girls are on like five social media platforms. So you'd think from the face of it, they're more connected with people than ever before. And yet they don't feel connected with anybody. They mm. feel like they're alone by themselves. You're right. They're comparing themselves with other people. And that goes, it's bad in two respects. One, you can feel like, wow, I'm look, I look way better than she does, or I've got my life way <laughs> yeah. more together than she does. Or you can feel like I'm a mess. I'm a failure. I'll never have anything that looks as good as she does. Mm -hmm. So either way, it's not good for you um, because that comparison isn't coming with. A, and I, and I want to be clear, like God made us to live in relationship, to look at other people, to kind of see, oh, are you doing it like this and get good ideas from people? But when that's built inside a real life community, girls around your table, girls out to coffee together and you sort of get the whole perspective. There's just such a depth to that, that takes yeah. out the sting of the comparison and, and empowers and wraps in love and encourages along in a way that just looking at someone else's living room that they shoved the toys out of. So it looks really clean and perfect. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's just, that's just you comparing your real life to someone else's fake life. That's right. And mm -hmm. even though we know we're doing it, it still affects us emotionally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Sarah, last question. Uh, let's put you on the spot. Uh, I, totally the reasons you've left and the results are encouraging and they're inspiring. Should the people listening get off their social media accounts? What, you know, what would you tell them? Is it you need to get off or is it, Hey, you, I understand why you stay, but here's some guardrails for you. What would you say to people who are like, I don't know what I think about this. Um, I, I, I believe that God is sovereign over everything. So I 100% believe he does good work on social media and that Christians can connect there. And there are things that you can learn and there is beautiful things about it. But when I look at the numbers, I would just say that I don't know there would be a rare woman who would be able to be on there in a healthy way. Mm. That feels like, that feels extreme. But I would say this, I think um, you should feel called into social media. It shouldn't be the default. And right now it's everyone's default, but I think it's such a dangerous space um, that probably the default should be to be off. And then if you feel a burden or like a, you know, I really, um, need to be on for these reasons, or I feel like God is calling me on for these reasons, then you should first educate yourself really well. Um, and then, uh, go on. It's kind of, if you think about it like a mission field, right? Like we don't just mm -hmm. drop people off in the middle of Peru. First you study about what, what you're getting into. It's and a good I think word. social media is dangerous enough that it, uh, you need to study it a little bit. Yeah, that's a good word. That's really helpful. Uh, Sarah Zylstra, senior writer at the Gospel Coalition. You can read her stuff at the Gospel Coalition. Is that .org or .com? Remind me. I'm on there all the time, but I forget. .org. The Gospel Coalition .org. I just type it in my tool on, uh, on my computer. It just pops up, and then I can just go. The Gospel Coalition .org. You cannot connect with her on social media, but go read what she is writing over at the Gospel Coalition. Sarah, we love having you on. I'm sure this will be the first time of many in 2023. Happy New Year. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for asking me these questions. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Steve Koble. My name is Brian Fromm. It's good to be with you today on this Tuesday evening. If you've missed any of the show, go get the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common. 
good talk. All right, Steve, you're a teaching pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. How much does that mean you preach? How often are you uh, are you speaking? Yeah, so there's always been plans of, of starting a new location. And so that's the, the hope that mm. uh, once we get through some things that we'll so I right now the rhythm that I'm in is like twenty to twenty four times a year. Okay. Um, I was super used to thirty thirty nine, and um, and so we've dialed it back a little bit. And uh, do you speak outside of your church every now and then? Right, probably primarily at your church, but you probably have you're speaking at other places in the city or people asking you to speak at places. Is that true? Sure. Yep. Yeah. I always give Aubrey a hard time because she always gets asked too. And I'm like, why hasn't anyone ever asked me? What the heck? (laughs) Uh, But here's why I ask. I want to play a clip that I heard from Carl Truman (laughs) that is uh, very challenging. As somebody like us who speak on a regular basis or have a radio show or whatever else it might be, uh, it's the intoxicating nature of – great jobs or laughs or this or that. So let's listen to this. And then I would love to hear what you think. This is Carl Truman. I think that ministers remembering that they exist for the sake of their congregations, that their congregations do not exist for the sake of them is very important. It's very important indeed. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was at a big conference and was asked to sit on a panel. And I was very nervous when I got up on the panel. It was in a big sports stadium. And I was with all these guys who do this stuff regularly. And my first, the first thing I did was I made a joke to sort of cover my nervousness. And 6,000 people laughed. And I remember at the time thinking, as I can't say that, man, I could get used to that. And I really don't want to get used to that. Because that kind of stuff kills souls. Um, I worry for guys who have that kind of adulation on a weekly or monthly basis. I don't know that any human being can withstand that and not ultimately end up thinking that their audience exists for the sake of them and not the other way around. All right. So he says, Steve, uh, I got the opportunity. That's him speaking, right, to be on a panel in front of thousands of people at one of these big conferences. And I was nervous. So I told a joke and 6,000 people laughed. And his first thought was, I could really get used to that. Uh, And so he says, I, I fear for those people who get that on a regular basis. And what does it do to their soul? I think about this all the time when I'm preaching just a little, you know, I have 150 people, not 6,000 people uh, or doing a radio show or whatever else. What am I doing it for? And sometimes I fear I'm doing it for the adulation and the laughs and the great job pastor and the whatever else. And Carl Truman is saying here, like that's bad for the pastor's soul. And he says, even more so when you're speaking to thousands of people, when you're getting this, how, uh, let's start with this before asking, how do you, um, protect yourself from this? Is this a struggle for you? Is this a struggle for you in terms of like what at a soul level, what am I trying to get out of preaching and speaking? Yeah, man, that's interesting, especially like thinking for myself. So I think that like for myself, I naturally have, um, everybody's on the narcissism spectrum. So either you are, you view yourself in, in grandiose ways. And so, um, you, you love the adulation and you believe it and it get kind of gases you up. Um, or you're somebody who is very sort of, you have a negative self-talk. Um, yeah. and I'm one of those people that's more of a negative self-talk. Interesting. Um, and my, my wife has to remind me, when I go through my litmus of how things could have been better or how I could have done better, mm-hmm. um, 
when I was speaking at, at something that like chill, man, like, <laughs> and so it, it reminds me and and I think that, you know, I preach at a, a mega church for the city's sake in, yeah. uh, uh, for several years and got used to preaching to 3000 people, you know, hmm. uh, 1500 people in, in a space at, at a time. And I, uh, spoke to a, a crowd of like 4,000 people in, in one, uh, gathered church setting in, uh, Riverside, California once. And, and remember like, man, this is weird. Hmm. And then it went, it went, it went fine, you know? And, and I'm like, they do that every single week. <laughs> um, yes. And so I think what, what has been good for my soul, I think, and I feel like God has just protected me in, in a lot of this, is that I now preach at a much smaller church and now it's, it's so much not. And I, and I think that part of the reason why I wouldn't have left the other setting is because of the exact reason that, that you're talking about the, the sense of influence that you have speaking to so many people. But now I think I'm speaking from a place in God's protection as like pastor who wants to shape people's lives Mm. and the word is shut up in my bones and I got something to, to share, um, as Jeremiah would say. And so, and I don't, I don't know if there's, I think it depends on your personality makeup. That's great. How that would, uh, affect you and how, you know, you think of like the Carl Lentz and different people who, when there was no crowd or no, uh, gathered church, like they really had a hard time, um, functioning in some ways. And I, I think that, I think that that can show a picture of unhealth is when, yeah. the, when the crowd doesn't show up or when there's no crowd to talk to, um, does, does some part of you, like, are you not able to function normally? Um, yeah. I think that would be a sign of some unhealth. What is, that's a great word, man. What is for people out there listening, the danger of a narcissistic pastor to the pastor, but also to the congregation? Cause you just referenced one, but we've seen litanies of narcissistic pastors have really big churches, uh, but also some really big falls. And so Aubrey and I on this show talk a lot about the celebrity pastor and the danger. I'd love for you to weigh in on that. The celebrity culture in Christianity, the narcissism that it breeds, what's the danger for the church? Well, I, I think in some ways the idea of leadership that we have in American culture lends itself to a narcissistic personality. Mm-hmm. And so the litmus test for whether or not somebody's a good leader is it, it kind of draws those specific kinds of personalities. And so, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways it centers around that particular person and things become about that person and not Mm -hmm. about what that person is talking about. Um, and the thing about narcissistic personality is that unless somebody is ready and willing to listen, they don't even know it's happening. Hmm. They don't even know they're doing it. It's just a part of their fallen nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, and, and I, I think there's been some articles about this, but like the audience has to be willing to not endure uh narcissistic mm-hmm. personality. Otherwise the person who's doing it in some instances that 
they don't even realize that they're doing it. Mm. And that's just a part of, that's just a part of their personality. And then a part of their fallen nature that, that is drawn to operating in that way. Yeah. Um, and so it's incredibly dangerous for the church. Um, you know, I don't know if I know how to say like what it would end up doing to a church. Um, but I do think that if your sense of connection to your faith is tied up in one individual person, then when that person fails you, then it leads to a, a lot of discourse in your own faith. That's right. And the point of you know, what that person is supposed to be doing and what we do as pastors in churches for people is pointing them to the perfect person who won't let you down. That's right. Um, who is Jesus. And so I don't know, those are just some, some of my it's thoughts. It's a really good word, man. No, it's really good. You asked a great question in there that I, when I'm doing well, I ask myself regularly, uh, who am I doing this for? Like, who am I doing this for? Cause even in a small church like my own, being in front of people and having them listen to you and laugh at you, what your joke is intoxicating. It really is. And uh, I can, I can't imagine what it's like to be in front of thousands of people every week, but it's probably just that exponentially more. So why do we do what we do? Really good words there from Carl Truman. All right, we're going to end the show next, Steve. I'm going to put, I'm, we're going to do a little game. We're going to do a little activity. We're going to do new year's resolutions but not for ourselves. We're going to do it for the American church, for the church around us. Mm. What if we could set the New Year's resolutions for the Church of America? What are some things we would choose? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. Mm -hmm. AIM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AIM 1160, hope for your life alongside Steve Koble. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon and evening. Uh, Steve, really great to have you with us, man. Uh, you are the teaching pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. Remind people who haven't been listening, uh, where can they learn more about you and about Renewal Church of Chicago? Yeah, Brian, it's been great to be uh, back on and back with you. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just a stone's throw away from the United Center, RenewalChicago.com, uh, um, RenewalChurchChicago.com. And uh, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on all the uh, social media platforms, um, even though we talked uh, <laughs> earlier <laughs> today. Um, you can find us on all of those, at least to get communication and connection and, um, and stuff like that. And I'm also on uh, on social media as well. Uh, so uh, here's how I want to end today. Steve and I are both pastors, as we've talked about. Uh, one of the heartbeats of this show is that we want to we want the church, the ch our own individual churches, the church in Chicago, the church as far as we can have any influence, right? The Church of America. We want it to do well, and part of that is highlighting where it's not doing well. And part of that is highlighting where it's succeeding. Uh, so Steve, I thought it would be a fun way to end this, uh, to end the show this way. Everyone's thinking about new year's resolutions right now, right? Like, I, I don't know. Do you have any new year's resolutions? Although you're, uh, you have a one and a half year old and a wife pregnant with a second. So your new year's resolution might be survival, <laughs> but uh, are you a new year's resolution guy? You know, I wasn't. And then I did, I did noom last year. Um, oh. it's a, like the psychology app behind, uh, weight loss. And it was really, really helpful. So I lost about 20 pounds 
And, um, and so this year I'm, I'm just committed to reading through the Bible. So I got the Bible projects, uh, reading plan and my wife and I, we're, we're committed to reading through the Bible. Oh, that's awesome. Together. That's awesome. Uh, but here's what I would like to do, Steve. I, I would like to, uh, play this game. New year's resolutions. If we could make them for the church, uh, and let's make this past our, past our just individual churches, but kind of the big C church. If we could get the end to the end of 2023 and say, let's just take America. The church of America is we're doing better at this, or we did this this year, or we've grown in this way as a church that we would be excited. Make sense. New year's resolutions for the church. I'm going to put you on the spot. What, what comes to mind? There's one or two. We'll bounce them back and forth and we'll, we'll try to land on some. What's one that comes to mind for you? Uh, the word empathy is the the biggest one, I guess, that comes to mind in, uh, for me in, in just the thought of how the church is viewed at large from outsiders. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're viewed as empathizers, but we're known for what we're against more than we're for. Hmm. And I just think that that has a negative impact on people coming to faith in Christ. Uh, empathy. That, that's a... That's a good one. Uh, I thought the first word that I thought up was unity. Um, that what would it look like for the church to be to actually be unified, like Jesus prays in John 17, but also to be perceived as unified? I think it goes along with your empathy right now. People do look for what they're against and running to their tribes and being against that person. And and there feels like just as there's fracturing in our in our country along political lines and other things, there's fracturing within the church. And man, if we got to the end of it, man, we're, we're going to have some good words here. Cause if we could say the church at the end of 2023 was more empathetic and more unified, now we're going somewhere. Now we're moving somewhere. And, uh, a second one, anything else? I got second one, but is, is there a second one you got in mind? Um, here, let me do mine. I'll, I'll take it. And then, and then you, I'll let you close it out. I'll let you go with one more. Uh, I don't know how to describe this one except to say evangelistic or mission minded. I feel like the church in America, and maybe I'm speaking a little bit for my own soul. We've lost the, uh, in the name of not being awkward evangelistically, right? Where we used to like pound people over the head or we've lost kind of the fire for evangelism. There's some churches that are doing it great, but I would say as a whole, Again, this goes back to being empathetic and you know, and being against things. We've become more known for what we're against, and we've lost that zeal for evangelism. We've lost that purpose. We've lost that mission of wanting to see people come to find and follow Jesus. Uh, we've lost a little bit of what are we about into the community. I would say uh, if we could get to the end of the year and go, man, we've We've grown as a church, uh, a fire for evangelism uh, as individuals and as a collective church, as we are more empathetic and unified. I think we're creating a church here that could really do some amazing things. Yeah, I, I love that. I think I think in my own even in my own heart and life, I you know, before I'm, I talk to somebody about my faith in Christ, I'm trying to figure out what box they're going to put me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what box I'm trying to avoid um, more though, more than I am thinking of like, all right, this is a conversation with a human being who needs to meet um, 
a God of love who sent his son to die on the cross for us. Um, I guess one of the, one of the things that I would think about, and maybe one of the things that I've been challenged with for my, for myself is, uh, prayer. And, mm. and sometimes people talk about prayer when they talk about prayer, it's more like, yeah, we should pray more. And we kind of think of the things that we, we should all do more of, um, when it comes to spiritual things. But I just, I just more so mean like, um, being present to the spirit of God, yes. listening to God's spirit speak to us and, um, and, and spending time more so focused on, on listening and Love focused it. on being present to God than, uh, the things that we have to do and the things that we need to say. I think we just came up with four good ones, empathetic, unified evangelism, a fire for evangelism and, uh, for lack of a better word, a commitment to the Holy spirit and to prayer. Uh, that's a pretty good church. I want to be part of that church, man. <laughs> I want to be, and I bet a lot of you out there are longing for that as well. So what are the steps? The same way we say, what are the steps? If you're, if your personal one is to lose weight this year, what are the steps you're going to take to get there? Yeah. Same thing, church. What are the steps we need to take the things we need to do and not do to get to there? I love that. I love that. Hey man. Awesome to have you with us again. And, uh, I, I love it. I've, uh, you've, you've made me tired just with all that's going on in your life. So I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm just tired thinking about your life right now. <laughs> it makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> Glad to have Steve with us again. Check him out at Renewal Church of Chicago. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow from four until six for Steve Coble. My name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. <laughs>